Now, verse 14 to me in 2 Chronicles 7, 14 is one of the most incredible, fascinating verses in the Bible because it is directed to us today. But I'm wondering how much of a spiritual emphasis we need to look at in maybe helping bring this horrible tragedy to an end. Welcome, and thank you for joining us today on the Solomon's Porch podcast with Bible teacher Barry Borthistle. Barry has been a student of the Word his entire life. As a former pastor, he understands how to disciple people in the Bible. And as a successful business owner, he brings real-world issues into perspective through the lens of Scripture. Please welcome Barry Borthistle. Hello, everybody. Well, welcome to week number four. You know, doing a, a podcast, I have a real heart now for pastors and preachers who are preaching to an empty church. You don't know how people respond, although I am very thankful for the many nice comments I've received on weeks one, two, and three. So we're ready to go with week four. Remember, the notes for all of our podcasts are on our web. And I encourage you to get them to do your own study, because if you don't, you'll forget what I say if you're like most of us. So again, thank you for your encouragement. The title of week four is God Reveals to Us How to React to a Pandemic. And I use the word amazing because it really is. But first of all, I'd like again just to thank all the medical people, the first responders, the truck drivers, uh, uh, people in the grocery stores, essential workers, they've done an incredible job. Secondly, I'd also like to thank our governments, both in Canada and the United States. I think they've done a great job. Now, people criticize them and so forth. But remember, it's easy to criticize, but they haven't been through anything like this either. So keep that in mind. But the third thing I want to mention is we've heard a lot today about free speech, and I certainly believe in free speech, otherwise I wouldn't be doing this. But uh, listen to what the Bible says about free speech. 1 Timothy 2, 2 says, pray for those in authority over us, and if we do, God's response is that we will live a quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty. So free speech is, I think, the ultimate when you talk God's word. So uh, I remind myself of that when I I don't agree with everything that's being done. Nobody does. But uh, pray for those with authority over us, especially these days. So on page one of week number four, if you've got your notes, God reveals to us how we are to react to a, a pandemic. Remember last week we talked about, uh, and I think you'll see the reasons why today we did the session on week four. Uh, we talked about the Old Testament, uh, Old Temple, the temple in the Old Testament with three parts. In the New Testament, it's us who are the new temple. And, of course, the Trinity, three parts. And they all have to work together. One part does not stand out on its own. So I just wanted to remind all of us of that. Well, in your notes on page one, you'll see Solomon's Temple uh, Prayer in Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 12 to 42. We'll come to that in just a moment. Verses 1 to 3. God promises Solomon a place to worship. And the word that's used in the Old Testament is a, a thick darkness. God does not want us to live in gloom and doom. He wants us to be fulfilled and to be happy. That's very, very important. Verses 4 to 11 was actually Solomon's prayer. 
And uh, he, he does something very interesting that I think is very applicable to us today. And that is he begins the prayer with a prayer of blessing upon uh, others, his people, and also upon God. What is the power of a spiritual blessing? A biblical blessing is a statement which involves the blessing of God upon the life lives of other people. Number six, twenty-four to twenty-six, and we see a lot of that today. We see a lot of people blessing and and doing things that a lot of a lot of us haven't done for a long, long time. So then we get into um, Solomon's Temple Prayer, which uh, actually begins in verse twelve. Solomon the king knelt down with arms lifted up to heaven in front of all his people. Now, I want you to think about this. Here is the richest, wisest man that ever lived, and he's a king. And when he prays, he gets down on his knees and his arms in the air. And uh, then I list the 12 things that he prayed for. Number one, he prayed for God's faithfulness. Number two, he prayed for God's continuous faithfulness. I guess he wanted to make sure it was going to continue. Then God's omnipresence. Number four, on page two, he prayed a, uh, a plea for answer to prayer. Number five, a plea for just judgment. Number six, plea for forgiveness of sin. Number seven, for forgiveness and rain from heaven. Number eight, I'm going to come back to because I want to talk just a bit about number eight. Number nine, blessings on the Gentiles or others who are seeking God. Number 10, plea for God's help in war, even if no sin had been committed. 11, plea for help in war when sin had been committed. Number 12, plea for God's continued presence and blessing. 12 points that he prayed for, and, and most of them are, are applicable today. But going back to number eight, this is really, really fascinating to me. He pleaded for God's help in a time of pestilence, war, and sickness in verses 28 to 31. And I want to read those to you. This is what Solomon said to God. If, remember, there's 1,522 ifs in the Bible. Here's one of them. If there is a famine in the land, in the land if there is pestilence, blight, mildew, locusts, or caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in any of their cities, whatever plague or sickness there may be. Then whatever prayer or supplication any man or all of your people Israel shall make, each knowing his own affliction and his own sorrow and stretching out his hands toward this house. Then God, he says, then God really, I want you to hear from heaven, your dwelling place and forgive and render to every man according to all of his ways whose hearts you know for you only, no man's heart. So it's really interesting that Solomon, in his prayer, talked about uh, if, a if a famine comes, if pestilence comes, if a, a blight comes, which is a disease, mildew, which is in inflammation, and locusts. Do you know that today, Africa and East Asia have trillions, as of two days ago, trillions of locusts so this man had some pretty good insight and it's really interesting to me that that in this verse he, he finishes it with a caterpillar like i'm thinking well what's that what does the caterpillar have to do with all the famine and pestilence and disease and so forth i got thinking about it well a caterpillar this is incredible a caterpillar to me is symbolic 
of transformation of life is that it goes from uh, the catalog or catalog uh, caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly and i think that's why this word is in there even though all those first things are very terrible there is hope and he uses the word caterpillar to give us the hope that we can come out of our cocoon we can come out of our negative thinking we can come out of our poor me disease uh, syndrome etc and there is hope i found that very very fascinating turning to page three then no i'm sorry at the bottom of page uh, two we'll finish there god then appeared to solomon a second time now 20 years after the temple had been dedicated 20 years after this incredible prayer 20 years and we know that from second chronicles god knew that people being people are going to not do it his way i mean god knows that so god appeared to solomon a second time 20 years after the dedication of the temple that we just talked about and we go down to second chronicles chapter 7 verses 13 and 15. god obviously knew that the people would not be obedient after solomon's dedication prayer this is God speaking to us today in verse 13. God says, if, three times again, which means it is his choice, and I've already said there are 1,522 instances of the word if in the Bible, a lot of choice. Now we go to page three. So God says, um, if I stop the rain, if I command locusts to develop the land, if I send pestilence, like he's almost repeating the prayer that Solomon made to him. And I've already mentioned that today there are billions of locusts in uh, Africa destroying the food supply. So the things that Solomon prayed, if they come, basically are all here today, particularly with COVID-19. Now, verse 14 to me in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen is one of the most incredible, fascinating verses in the Bible because it is directed to us today. If it's our choice, so, so God's all right, if our choice, my people who are called by my name will do four things. Now, I'm going to put a thought that I've been thinking about, could, I'll ask you this as a question, I would like some response and some emails uh, on your opinion. We seem to be missing a lot of the spiritual emphasis or the spiritual condition of us in the COVID uh, 19. Now, I know that there's lots of suggestions that the government's been great in helping and all those things, and I think that's great, but I'm wondering how much of a spiritual emphasis we need to look at in maybe helping bring this horrible tragedy to an end. So God then, in verse 14, uh, here's what he says. Number one, humble yourself. Uh, that's not easy, uh, which means to bend the knee. I remember when I was a, a child, we used to pray uh, on our knees. We don't do that too much anymore. Number two, then he says, then after you humble yourself, you pray, which means to make supplication, to ask for. Number three, then you seek my face, which really means to worship. And then number four is turn from your wicked ways, which is repentance. So there are the four things that God commands us to do to bring these type of things to an end. Number one, humble yourself. Number two, pray. Number three, worship. And number four, repent. If we do these four things, this is what God promises us. 
Number one, on bottom of page three, I will hear you from heaven. It means that you've got my attention, Mary. Number two, at the top of page four, I will forgive your sin as far as the east is from the west. It's one thing about God when you ask for forgiveness. If you start marching east, you'll never go west. In other words, it's gone forever. That's a great, great principle. Number three, this is the big one. Heal our land. The word heal in the original language means to mend like a physician, to repair thoroughly, divine intervention. I'm going to say that again. Divine intervention. I think most of us, regardless of our faith belief, would, believe, would agree that we need divine intervention today in this horrible pandemic that is hideous. And there again, could it be that the answer to this whole situation is a spiritual answer? Then in verse 14, he goes on to say, if we obey the four points in 14, and he will promise his part in, in uh, the three, then he says that his eyes, the foundation of his presence, and his ears will attend to our prayers. I believe, friends, that this is a time for spiritual fitness, prayer, and the power of hope. Hope for believers is not an illusion. It is the assurance that good things are going to happen based upon the promises of God's word. If, <laughs> I keep coming up with that word, if your marriage is failing, if your business or finances are sinking, and that's affecting a lot of us, if your children are in trouble, if your health is at risk, there is hope in the living God. So I want to close week four by just talking a little bit about prayer because we're hearing a lot about prayer today. We're hearing prayer from government officials, from church leaders, from uh, many, many people. In fact, it's, I've been told it's one of the three top Google words today where people want to know about prayer, how does it work, and so forth. We're going to talk more about the detail on prayer in week seven. But because of uh, this particular teaching in week four, um, I want to mention just a couple of things about taking time to prepare for prayer. We live in a fast society, and, and I'm, I'm at the top of the list. I find it hard to slow down, but I've discovered that if, if you really want uh, someone to listen to you, you have to prepare. You just don't go in and start blabbing your mouth up. Well, the same thing is true in prayer. In fact, Jesus is taking the time to prepare a place for us today in John 14. I'm going to list here seven principles of prayer, and there are more which we will deal in more detail with on, in week seven. Here are seven prayer principles. Number one is very, very important. Repent of all known sin. Number two, on page five, God cannot hear us if we don't repent. And there's all the verses. Number three, forgive others, otherwise God cannot forgive us. That's a huge one. Number four, do not worry. Worry is a sin. Quite frankly, I have to repent of my worry every day because I get worried about where we're going. Like Solomon, number five, like Solomon, ask God for wisdom. James 1, 5 to 6. We're going to talk a lot about that next week. If you, uh, number six, you have not because you ask not. Keep on asking. Number seven, always, this is, this is really, this is really wonderful. Always address your prayer to the Father. Ask everything in the name of Jesus. 
Remember that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. See, there is the Trinity. There's the three-part coming back and again. Prayer works for all three, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then I give the biblical verses for how this works. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us to Jesus Christ. Your body is the temple of God. The Holy Spirit, which lives in you. Now think about this. I find this hard to get my head around this. I really do. The Holy Spirit intercedes for me to Jesus, who then intercedes us to the Father. That's the Trinity, the three parts working again. So the power of prayer. Then I list some final thoughts that uh, I just want to uh, touch briefly on. God uh, dwells in the praises of his people and, and applying the blood of Jesus Christ to your prayers. And uh, I talk a little bit about communion, which we're going to talk a little bit about more next week. But I, I have found in my life, and I think most of you, if you're honest, the biggest thing in prayer is waiting. Waiting for God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means activity under command. Waiting means readiness for any new command that may be given. Waiting is the ability to do nothing till the command is given. If eagles can do it, then we can do it. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. G. Campbell Morgan. On page six, the last page for our uh, time together is uh, some, some prayer words in Philippians 6. But I want to close with the final statement there. Many times we wait, for, we wait for God to answer. And that is like the eagles do to regain their strength. I, I, I love how God uses birds in the Bible. So in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it reads like this. But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God, as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. So in closing, let me just tell you a quick story. So I'm studying this, uh, uh, well, refreshing this morning before the, uh, the recording. And um, we live in a place where there's a lot of birds. And it's, it's quite common for a bird to fly into the window and most of them break their neck. And I have to throw them in, in the garbage. It's unfortunate. Well, this happened today. And I'm reading about this one. <laughs> I love when this happens. So I'm studying about uh, eagles, and uh, all of a sudden I hear this boom at the window. I, I knew it was a bird. I go and here's this beautiful little bird, what a beautiful bird, lying on its side, and it was still breathing. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to do anything because maybe he's just knocked himself out. So then I remember what God said, that he sees even a little sparrow fall. So I said in a quick prayer, I said, okay, God, I said, uh, prove this to me. You saw that little bird uh, hit the window. It looks like he's dead, but uh, I'd like to see him fly away. So I walked back in about 20 minutes, and this beautiful little bird was actually standing on his feet. And I could see he was regaining his strength. And then I walked back 20 minutes later, and he was gone. And it made me think of the eagles because eagles are wonderful, wonderful birds. We all know that. They stand for many things, including power, 
uh, powerful vision. They're fearless. Uh, they mate for life. Uh, they really train their young. In fact, I am told that when the young baby eagle is ready to leave, uh, mummy or daddy, uh, and mummy really rules the roost with the eagles. I'll probably get bad emails on that one. But uh, they take the little eagles and they put them on their wings. And when they, get, they start flying, they flick them off. And if they don't go on their own, they catch them and take them back to the nest and do it a little later. So they're very, very uh, wonderful in raising their young. But the last point I want to wait uh, that I want to mention is they're very, very, very strong. Uh, when a storm comes, they don't fly away from a storm, folks. They fly into it using the currents of a storm to fly to even greater heights. They're the only bird that do, does that. So let me just refresh your memory with this verse from Isaiah 40. We shall mount up and not be weary. We shall walk and not faint or become tired. Next week will be another phenomenal teaching on what Jesus had to say about pestilence. So we encourage you, pass the word on. Thank you for listening and God bless. Bye now. Thank you for joining us on Solomon's Porch. For notes from today's episode or to contact Barry, please go to solomonsporchteaching.com. That's solomonsporchteaching.com. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.